This Life Ain't For Everybody is back. Another episode of a Artist Spotlight brought to you by our friends at Deemer Box. It's how I listen to my music, the DB1, the DB2. I love the sound quality. I love the design. I love the innovation, the, the box, the locks, how you can make it 100% waterproof with the plug, the bass, the treble, the percussion on this stuff. It sounds so good, so clear. You got your handgun in there. You got your wallet, your fishing license, your hunting license, a couple cold beers, a couple cold, cold sodas. You might be fly fishing. You might be floating the river. You might be out at the pool. You can pair these together. They are an unbelievable. You can hear my dog, Pat, and Axel is fired up for this episode. What's up, Axel? Axel just got back with me from Mossy Pond Retrievers, and I'm excited to have him. But today's episode is a new Sparta Spotlight brought to you by Box, as well as from our friends, of course, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the original Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, the one and only iconic Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I'm so excited about what's coming up in the near future with Jack Daniels. The new Bonded they just produced, the new Triple Mash, the new Oak, the the, the new Rise, the new selections of Rise that Lexi and Josh Phillip came up with with the Oak Barrels and the Maple Barrels. Unbelievable heritage, culture, history. It's Jack Daniels. This life ain't for everybody. A new product spotlight with my man, Wyatt McCubbin. You guys got to check this guy out. His songwriting, his singing, his stage presence. He is country. He's staying country. He's traditional. He's genius. You'll hear some of his lyrics today. You'll hear my thoughts on his lyrics, what he's doing to just, I mean, set the country music world on fire. I'm fired up to have my friend Wyatt McCubbin on the show. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you. Do not forget this, how important our rights are, our Second Amendment rights of gun ownership, safety, protecting our family, our dwellings, our abodes, our homes, our houses, our communities, Sig Sauer, the best handgun platforms on the market get secure with yours get confident with yours get training get your concealed weapons permit protect yourself i want to hunt i want to listen to music i want to be at wyatt mccubbin's concerts for the rest of my life i want to live a long just a a, a, i want to have a a ton of value in our life with time management see my little girl Alyssa grow up my nephew chase my nephews chance and caden my brothers my mom my family I want to be with them forever, and I want to protect those rights. It's not to be taken for granted, and Sig Sauer is making sure that we are educated and that we are confident with all of our handgun platforms. Like I said before, visit them at SigSauer.com. So thank you to Jack Daniels. Thank you to Box, Thank you to Sig Sauer, and thank you to my man, Wyatt McCubbin, for being on today's new, new Artist Spotlight right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. I hope you all enjoy. Is it? Is it... Uh... Um, still ring true what Willie Nelson wrote when he wrote The Nightlife. <laughs> it is, man. It is. He, uh, man, them songs, like, I- I've heard people describe you as timeless. Like, do you, do you have goals to, to, to be that songwriter that, that stands the test of time? And the reason I ask Wyatt McCubbin, and I wanted to start off with this is I know that you're friends with a lot of people in that area. I get, I get music city and that you cross paths a lot. Um, but is it okay to be critical of what's going on in music city right now? And do you feel that there are libraries and catalogs being written and sang and and performed that will develop what I call a legacy or stand the test of time? Like here I am in 2002 still listening to Don Williams like it was just come out on the radio as well as Waylon. 
And yeah. I don't know, I don't know if Waylon and Don would stand a chance on country radio today. Does that make sense? I yeah, I, I could understand that concept, but at the same time, it's always been that way. When Don Williams and Haggard were on the radio, they probably said the same thing about Hank Williams, you know, and Lefty Frizzell. So it's always going to have that gap. But I will say. I'm seeing things, the, the biggest fad in country music right now is 90s country to where everyone is turning on Tracy Lawrence and Alan Jackson and, and that sh those Shania Twain records and stuff like that. So I feel like there's always, like what was cool when you were growing up, like you want to, like I want a 93 Silverado because my dad had a 93 Silverado because I was a kid and that was cool. They, they'll always have that thing over time. Um, no matter what year we're in. So I feel like obviously there's good and bad music in every, in every single era that we've ever seen. So there's always going to be those things, the skim on the top where it's like, Oh man, I hate that. I'll never like that. We might look back at it. Like maybe some folks look back at uh, even things like achy break your heart that comes on the radio and they probably hated it back then. I hear a lot of people say, man, when that came out, man, I was just so tired of that. But it comes on the radio now, and it's like, damn, that's pretty good. That that's yeah. fun. <laughs> that's a good point. So I don't know, man. It's always going to be. It's always going to have those good and bad qualities that are either going to make it timeless or not. But I, I think overall, it's going to be pretty straight across the board. So why would why do you think so many people are turning on the Hat Pack again and Chestnut and Tracy Lawrence and? AJ, I mean, AJ, gosh, dang, how good is he? But all of them yeah. were so good in that 89, 90, 90 yeah. time frame. Is it because it was so good and then it went away way too fast and we, it deserved more is why it's coming back in the way that it is with Tracy being out on the road with Aldine and, and um, uh, Mark Chestnut's coming out with new music right now. And Garth yeah. Brooks really, you know, he went away and came back and he still lights the world on fire with ticket sales. But why, why is that era coming back in your opinion? What? I think it's that nostalgic side of it is because it takes all of us humans a little bit to realize like, okay, our parents were kind of cool. And I obviously grew up in a cool country music world to where it's like, maybe in my teens, I was rebelling and listening to things that were current. But in the background, my dad was still listening to Alan Jackson and Tracy Lawrence. So I feel like it's, it's back to my old point to where what was cool, what, what was nostalgic to you and important to you in your roots, always circle back around. And plus, uh, all that aside, that was my old answer. Uh, a new part of my answer is that stuff was freaking good, man. Like you turn on those records and it's so cool. And enough time has gone by to where those more true to roots country music sounds, there's been a little bit of a gap to where those haven't been around. So all of a sudden it's circling and becoming fresh again. There's kids that have not, that have lived their life in a time where they've not gone without internet and they don't know, like you had to dig through a CD you bought at Walmart for $15 to find your favorite song on a, on an album. They're just so exposed to all this stuff. So, when uh, when they stumble onto Alan Jackson's catalog on Spotify and can listen to every record, it's like the gates open. It's a floodgate, man. So it's 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 a beautiful thing because even guys 
I mean, I'm not making this comparison with myself, obviously up against Alan. He's a freaking my hero. But I feel I hope that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, if uh, if all goes well, there's kids, a whole new generation, uh, two generations, or however many that stumble onto my whole catalog, and it sounds cool again. So Do it, you... it's just it's just good music back then, man. And I, I now with that being said. I said before, there was probably some really, well, there was some really bad stuff that you will hear on a shuffle on a 90s country playlist and be like, oh my gosh, how was that ever on the radio? How was that a hit? But that's in every era. Do you feel that that tracks and different methods of manipulating your voice and <clears throat> I guess for lack of better terms, Wyatt McCubbin, uh, a poppy and almost sometimes a technical techno sound. Do you think that has a place in country music? Is country music supposed to be the melting pot to where all of these different diversified um, platforms or styles of music, whether Nelly sang on cruise with Florida Georgia line after them and chase wrote that song. And um, you, you have other rappers or hip hop artists that have come into, but you have a lot of different influence from pop music styles or the, yeah. the the instruments that weren't really known like mm -hmm. a, a pedal steel or you know more bass or more more you know true country rhythm and blues sound mm -hmm. does that other kind of influence have a place in country music or is it just the way it is and that country music is going to do what country music is going to do like our mutual friend brent cobb educated me on I will say if country music doesn't change and evolve and, and catch new generations of people, it dies. Like if, if it was just, and, and I'm a fan of the oldest, I'm, I will turn on Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family in a heartbeat and listen to from the thirties on. But I'm also, I feel like, smart enough to know that if it was still that i don't know if the the kids on tiktok that need to discover country music would latch onto it it's just that's just the brutal reality of the business if it if it doesn't change it just becomes stagnant i will say there was a lot of people pushing the boundaries of country music and and the uh the 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 if i'm allowed to say this the hard ass side of me will always be like, oh, man, you know, that ain't, that ain't it, man. But that's the stubbornness in me. And, uh, I mean, there were guys, let me think here. I mean, Don, you said Don Williams earlier. I'll just make that an example. Don Williams cut Tulsa time. It was an Eric Clapton song. You know what I mean? Like that, that there, there are going to be things like that to sneak in that people will be disgruntled about but um i will say to your point of all these things coming back in the weird way that history always repeats itself it uh i think kids even a generation below i mean i'm 27 but there are 18 17 18 year old kids on tiktok and even younger than that latching onto things like tyler childers and zach bryan and cody johnson and riley green and all these things that are more artsy well just roots oriented uh to where it's even acoustic um less of those instruments you're talking about 
I, that that's almost becoming the popular side of country music compared to the radio side. But um, there was a point I was going to bring up. I'm trying to think here. Oh man, I, I lost my train of thought. Well, we we were talking about we were talking about. I think I can get you back on it real quick. Yeah. Why is that? We were talking about if we did not transition or evolve from like a Jimmy Rogers or a Hank senior that some of the kids today that like you mentioned previously that have only grown mm -hmm. up with the internet, they yeah. might not be as accustomed to become what we call a country music fan, probably not giving them the chance yeah. to find Tyler mm -hmm. Childers or um, the guys that are out there like Riley green and the traditional guys. If they don't first hear a TikTok famous song and get yeah. them searching for more. Yeah. And what I was going to say is, the unique thing about country music is that it can span from a 15-year-old listener to an 80-year-old listener, however old, because the younger people in country music are writing songs. It's all about the song. That's where it starts and ends. I mean, well, it's where it begins. It all begins with the song. That's the famous saying, right? There are, there's country music written for younger language uh, younger phrases and stuff, but then there will always be those things that sneak through that is country music written for adults, like things, uh, the house that built me and, um, just massive song live like you were dying. And it's kind of hard to pinpoint because of that. Um, it's hard to know what's right and what's wrong because those fun Young songs bring the masses in a sense where the radio crowds and you look at it at these festivals. I was just in um, Florida with Cameron Marlowe and and uh, I'm on that new tour with him. And the last stop of the tour was a thing called Country Thunder. I wasn't on that show, but I got to go out in the crowd and watch. There are I don't even know how many people at this thing. And it's all like it's kind of a broad range of people, but mostly young. And they're just. They're hanging. They're wanting to have a good time. And that's where those newer things, Morgan Wallen probably lit that place on fire the next night. But I will say, even with more contemporary things with um, bigger beats and electronic beats, like even the Morgan, the Morgan Wallen thing, like I'm a fan of it because it's so, it's written so well. Every song has a hook. Every, everything, it really starts and begins with the song and I, and no matter if you're 15 or 80 that it has to make you feel something and that comes from the song that comes from the words that it's saying whether it's let's all go have a good time in the middle of a cornfield or let's live every day like it's your last day yeah i i can't argue that because there are parts of morgan's catalog that are poppy but he owns it and it it's yeah, because him. it's because the songs are good yeah. he he can pick a song as good as john party can in my opinion if not yeah. better um i love john party we haven't mentioned john i think john's a very traditional country sound in my opinion i think that he that his new album mr saturday night is dead on to what i would have listened to when i was you know tw 19 20 years old um but morgan's got it morgan's got that crowd on their feet the entire 90 minutes yeah, everybody man. knows every word to every song but the songs <clears> are good they're yeah. not corny to me. They're not. No, they, they're not. Yeah, they're not hollow songs. Yes, they're not. And, and 
I kind of deem this word or coin this term cubicle country about four or five years ago that <laughs> it seemed to me like there was just like this massive assembly line of cubicles in this building in 16th yeah. and 17th Avenue somewhere. And it was just these robots writing as fast as they could and sliding that paper down this assembly line. And people are just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. There's another song. It just became so, so repetitious to me. Like, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. There's another one. It, um, but I don't want to, I don't want to leave this part of the conversation. And I love how you have your guitar with you right now. Um, there's this, a song. This is, my, there, this is my crutch, by the way. This, oh yeah. This I love a, it. It's just a prop. I don't even know how to play it. Yeah. Right. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that, but I do want to hear you, you sing because I like, I, I listen to songs. I think that maybe some people aren't privy to maybe not at least yet. I have a little bit of a back, a back door to some of your stuff. And there's a song yeah. called buzzards. Is it released at all yet? Oh man. That's wild that you know that. Um, yeah. So so this song, when I hear it, I sit there and go, the first word that came to my mind, and I, and I woke my girlfriend up today at four in the morning Pacific <laughs> listening to this song because I'm like, this is freaking genius that this guy was driving home knowing that he's falling out of love and that she might be, and that there's freaking buzzards circling his house like it's a dead deer. And I'm like, <laughs> what a freaking concept. Like, Thank you, man. How come somebody didn't tell me that when I was going through a breakup that the buzzards could have notified me? This song right here, Buzzards, though, is like, this song is country is all get up, in my opinion. And like, when I hear that word timeless, like, this is a song that would have been cut during the 70s outlaws time, or it could have been cut in the 80s hat pack time. Yeah. This is something that AJ would have sang and just made a crowd go, damn it, boy. So, but I, Maybe you can play a little bit of Buzzards, but is this a co-write? Is this something that you experienced? Is this something that you're out in the field hunting mm. or in the deer stand and you see Buzzards and you're like, damn, I wonder if they're circling over a house that's already been broken that, that can't be rebuilt. The love's already gone. What, what, give me the, the history of the song Buzzards. It is kind of an out-of-the-box way of thinking, um, and, and it, it's one of the only songs that literally woke me up. and. I'd had that title because I always thought it was interesting. Just, just, and it was so country. And I, I always want, I always love one word titles. So anytime, whether they're good, bad, ugly, I always write them down if, if there's even a chance they can be written. But I had buzzards and the whole like love is dead concept. But I didn't have the wild west, the old west town imagery until I literally woke up at three or four o'clock in the morning when I was still living in Ohio and I had this weird minor chord in my head, that real lonesome thing going on. And it just brought, it got me out of bed and I ended up writing the rest of it the next day. It's, it's one of the only, I mean, I've probably written I don't, maybe a dozen things by myself over the last five years. I really, I'm my, I am my hardest co-writer because I hate everything I say. And it takes me twice as long. It, it'll take me a month usually to write a song by myself. But um, but I finished it and it just kind of felt so right. And I started playing it here and there. And I was on a writer's retreat in uh, uh, LJ, Georgia with a buddy named Jacob Bryant, who's a great independent artist. 
and I, we were sitting around down there at, uh, at his buddy's bar, just playing songs. And, uh, I played this just to almost mess with him. And he's like, can you play that again? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, play it again. And he ended up recording it. That's the only version of it out, but I, I I'll probably revisit this and record it myself at some point, but that, you did some digging to find that one, man. Well, that that song is a uh, that song is a masterpiece in my opinion because it is so real that this can that this is life that that's what buzzards do. They give it away. Yeah. Uh, just the other day, just the other day, my buddy, um, they lost a deer, and my buddy just happened to be out there, um, you know, scouting and saw the buzzards and was able to go and find that deer. Um, which is very common in yeah. the Western world. It's very common to be out where I'm at right now and see a, a dust spin or a little dust tornado, like a Texas tornado that yep. Tracy Lawrence sang about, um, <laughs> and then see buzzards circling and it gives it away yeah. that, Oh, there's, <clears throat> there's a cow that died. A farmer can and go. There's also ran- like this weird form of a uh, sign of danger because everyone knows why those buzzards are circling. Yeah. So like you might not be the only one on the way to the scene of the crime, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll play a, yeah. Do a little I'll, bit I'll, of buzzer. Yeah, you? man. However much you want me to do. I love this song. High noon sun shadows on the ground. Feels like I ought to be in some old out west town And they're circling overhead And it's all starting to make sense Why you can't look me in the eye And tell me where you've been yeah, I see buzzards Like they know something I don't Girl, they're giving you away Saying everything you want Cause when love's gone, it's gone And damn, these birds are gonna starve to death Right there, man uh, I don't know if you want me to keep going or not Well, I want to I dissect that last oh, I'm sorry, you're up. muted Yep, I didn't want any background noise to come in I, um, I want to dissect that last line real quick If you could help me out About, yeah. so they're there they know something's dying. They, they're smart enough to know because they're yeah. scavengers. This yeah. is what they're put on earth to do, but they get overhead now. And yeah. they're like, well, dang it. There ain't, any, there ain't even anything to, left to eat over here. We ain't, there's nothing to Man, pick it's, on. It's gone. The, I think that's the darkest thing about it. It's, just, it's a visual of just a pile of bones, really. I mean, it's, it, that's love. It's, it's, it's literally gone. There's nothing to even scavenge off of it. Uh, oh man like that that's, is... that's one of the weirdest probably one of the uh, I, don't, I don't know weird's the right probably one of the most unique ideas that i've stumbled onto and it, it's it's even more weird that i wrote it by myself because when people hear it, it's like god this guy must be shit. this guy's crazy or something he's 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 thinking of crazy stuff over here <laughs> no that's no it's like that's a that's life that's like well i appreciate that man that, that's awesome that you brought that up do you is there a plan in a singer songwriter's 
arsenal or his portfolio? Is there a plan of, is there a strategy I should say right now? Cause that song needs to be heard by the masses. So what do we wait until Wyatt McCubbin breaks? Do we wait until you're selling out arenas and we get to go? And then all of a sudden you say, all right, well, this is a song that I wrote back when I was 24 years old, when my girlfriend, da, 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 da. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's introduced to the world because it's sitting there and it's, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of like a fine wine. It just keeps getting better. And then yeah. when you release it, people are going to be like, oh man, that's the finest glass of Merlot I've ever had. <laughs> is that, is that the plan? I, man, I think that the plan constantly changes and evolves for whatever's right for the time we've got, uh, We've got a, a group of songs and, and, and another couple, well, one or two that I wrote by myself that uh, we're planning on. We're going into the studio next month, but you might have you might have opened up a can of worms here and made me look at this song a little different only because. Man, I write every day and that's my job and, and, and I say job loosely, I love it and I would do it. Well, I shouldn't say this because I don't want them to find out I would do it for free. I would do it whether they paid me or not. But uh, I there's so there's a surplus of songs, and that's a great problem to have. But at the same time, it is a problem because you still have to narrow down. F. Oh my gosh, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of songs down to what twelve or thirteen for an album. That's you're gonna you're gonna find out every one of these kids that you write, every one of these babies that are so precious, there's still going to be some that don't make the album. So I don't, man, I don't know, but I'm going to take a second look at that song after you bringing that up, because I, there is such a thing as falling. Not that I ever fell out of love with that song, but there's such a thing as being reintroduced and falling in love with a song that you almost get to hear as a listener for the first time all over again. after so much time's gone by. Yeah, I, I could see how you could fall back in love with it or never have fallen out of love with it or you're working so much that you're continuously, maybe in your opinion or your co-writers or your publishing company's opinion are writing better than that now. But I don't think that's possible if you, if, if you're, if you're, if a, if a song is, if a song's job is to, or responsibility is to get the listener to somewhere he or she hasn't been or put them in a place to see something on a, a, a different view or make them feel something like that song does me, then that song did its job and it deserves a raise. Yeah. It deserves a promotion. It yeah. deserves to be showcased. It deserves to be heard by that. That song gave me the same feeling that the, the first time I heard shine on rainy day with, with, with Cobb. Oh yeah, man. And yeah. that's one of the most genius songs ever written in my opinion. And a very minuscule piece, even though Leanne did put it out, I believe, yeah. a very minuscule piece of the listening demographic in this world has heard that song. Yeah. And man, Digging, guys uh, like Brent Cobb are such big influences only because it's, I really consider myself a writer first, but I've always wanted to make my own records and, and put my own stamp on what I do. and 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 just country music in general. So a guy like Brent Cobb kind of is uh, ambidextrous, really, because he writes the songs. He has the songs recorded by other people. He records them himself. And plus, it's so cool to A and B Leanne's version of a song compared to Brent's version of a song. And I, there, there at some point, uh, 
I do want to do a, a more acoustic leaning project because I'm, I'm kind of a guitar nerd and, and love acoustic guitars and have a pile of them that I want to showcase. But also these songs like that would be, would really fit something like that really cool. And, um, and maybe that even lends itself to an album of songs that have been previously recorded by other people, but my version of the song, it kind of all, it all reaches towards the same goal, which is just getting these songs heard. With, I got to ask a question about the man we just brought up real quick. Yeah, man. Brent, Brent Cobb. Yeah. I, I don't like him, but I like his music. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's hard not to like, right? Like, <laughs> um, but you are buddies with him, right? Yeah, man. He's a great friend. He's one of the best guys I've ever met. Okay. So maybe you can, or maybe you can't at, uh, answer this question. Wyatt McCubbin. Oh boy. He wrote a song called tailgate blues that Luke Bryan for sure should have made a hit. Luke cut it, but it's the best Luke Bryan song of all time, in my opinion. Um, and when Brent does it, I just get like, I could just fall right through a lawn chair into a fire, not even paying attention to life with Love a cold it. beer in my hand. I just get lost when I hear, <laughs> hear him talk about those tree, that tree line and that moonlight and those bugs and that tailgate. That's a real tailgate song. Yeah. That's a real tailgate song. If you want my opinion, um, he opened for Chris J, uh, uh, Stapleton for two tours, um, two different tours. I saw him probably six times on those tours. He opened for Marin. He's on getting ready to start opening for Luke on a world tour. He just, he's on his badass deal with Hayes Carl, who's another great songwriter yeah, man. that should be discovered by the entire world. In my opinion, um, dead poets. I mean, I mean, drunken poets dream, holy smokes, what a concept, but a lot of his songs. Um, but this is about your music, Wyatt McCubbin. This is, this is somebody that I compare you to because mm. you, you and Brent Cobb have a style of writing that mm. gets me like it gets to me and maybe that's selfish or greedy, but that's who I'm talking about right now. Like I get removed from where I'm at when I hear your songs or Brent Cobb songs, Adam hoods in that same boat. Adam's Damn new record destroys mm. me when I hear it. Yeah. Congrats to Adam hood on the Opry oh, and this new so album. So good. So good. So good. Um, will the world know about Brent Cobb in your opinion in the next 36 months will he become a household name in country music country music radio will he win songwriter of the year someday will he get discovered as somebody that deserves to be known and bigger than just the simple answer of, well like we're streaming today you know you can really find a lot of different music out there i get yeah. that yeah but there still is this conglomerate of country music musicians that are the who's who you're no going to be one of them someday in my opinion in your opinion, will Brent Cobb hmm. be discovered by the world with his, his, his portfolio so far? Yeah. Will he get out there? Will we know about Brent Cobb? Man, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but at the same time, that catalog that's already out in the world and some of the stuff that he has played me that's not out in the world, it's like, it's mind-blowing. And obviously getting on these bigger stages is a hell of a lot better chance to get this music heard, especially in a beautiful time when these acoustic, more songwriter-oriented records are literally exploding on the charts. These, these things like the Zach Bryan projects. and um, Man, Brent is one of those guys that almost, he has influenced more people than... Uh, people give him credit for 
there, there's a generation of writers coming up, and I, I would consider myself one of them, that listened to his music early on into my writing journey and said, oh, my God, if I write something like this, if I write something like Digging Holes oh. in my lifetime, Ooh. then I'll be happy. That, that, that kind of, that makes my answer so hopeful that, yes, he, sh he 100%, he should be just like he is ours. He should be everyone's favorite songwriter. And oh, he, man, that's he is, so um, And also, uh, over, over country music history, there have been these songwriting characters, guys like what Willie Nelson was when he was hanging out at Tootsie's getting songs cut by Patsy Cline and Farron Young. Uh, Guy Clark, Stopperson yeah. and Guy Clark and Shel Silverstein and uh, Billy Joe Shaver, and uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Dennis Lindy and, and all these like, but but also these songwriters that were almost more of an artist than the than the artist that cut their songs. I consider Brent one of those guys that uh, is such a true artist that he deserves the shot as much as anybody, if not more. God, it's so refreshing to hear. And I think that, um, and he's just cool as hell, man. That guy is the coolest dude I've ever, we did a so show, cool. we did a show in Brenham, Texas, and it was just, uh, I've got friends down there that own a place called the Kenny store and it's a listening room. It's, I think about 200 seats and they, they fill it up and a songwriter like me can go down there or a Texas artist can go in there and take a full band. Well, the guys hollered at me and said, Hey, what would it take to get you and Brent Cobb to do? a writer show here just you and him going back and forth and i'm like i'll call brent right now and we did it and it was literally it was magical man i would <laughs> i would do if it was possible i would do a whole tour like that because well, i will attest to that because i and tony krueger is coming on the show next week there you go there you go and, and his stepson jacob was on the show last week which is a oh big fan God, of yours dude jacob's makes, a big fan so of yours happy. so i'm down in texas in el campo hunting doves on september 9th last month yeah and 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 our and our host Steve Biggers, one of the coolest dudes in Texas, says, "Man, I got some. I got Dale Watson coming tomorrow night or tonight, uh -oh. and and tonight I got this Jacob kid coming." And I'm like, and then he sang this song he wrote called Ma and Pa, and I was just like, "Oh man, that's a country song right there." Um, and then his, yeah. and then his stepdad is his sound guy that night, and I get to start rapping with Tony, <laughs> and boy, I learned about the Kenny store, and I want merch from the Kenny store, and I want to be sitting in the Kenny store, and then he told me about you and Brent show and how it was mesmerizing. And I'm yeah. like, dude, that would be, that is so cool that, that Wyatt and Brent are on the same stage. Let me ask you this about that Wyatt McCubbin. Yeah. I got a couple more artist questions for you because I like getting deep on some of this stuff. Yeah, man. Is Brent Cobb and Tim, even though he's the coolest cat in the world and can smoke a cigarette <laughs> and just talk in that country slang and talk about catching brim and putting them in the fry grease and, 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 and just mm. love him. I've been, I've been with Brent a lot and I'm so honored to have done so, but is he intimidating in your opinion? Because I've heard songwriters go, man, going into the room with Brent Cobb, yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of intimidating. I don't, and he's the most unintimidating person I've ever yeah. met, but does he become an icon without, like you said, he's got it. Yeah. But is he an icon to the point to where he's intimidating without him even knowing it? I think in his heart, that's the last thing he's ever in, intending. And I, I mean, to me, it maybe it's just because I know him, but the first time I ever got in the room with him, we, uh, 
we wrote two songs that night. And the second one was a song that he cut called Dust Under My Rug, which is just a cool little fun bluesy song uh, that he had started. But the first song we wrote, I had I felt like I had literally, literally been training for that moment for years, like a dang Olympian or something, because I'd had so many ideas like, man, if I get in the room with Brent, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save that. And I'm going to bring this. So we wrote a song uh, that I, I'd had a lot of the bones of it done structurally, but I was still kind of nervous to play it for him. Cause I'm, I'm thinking this guy is so cool and he's got such a, such a unique outlook on how to do this and how to put songs together. Um, that I'm not sure if he's going to enjoy or like, or it, it appreciate my way of putting things together, but man, it didn't take long to figure out that he embraces who he is so much that I feel like he wants you to do the same thing. It, you don't, don't act like Brent Cobb in front of Brent Cobb, just be you and write, write the song. So, um, and we can all kind of get in those head spaces when we're writing with some of our peers and and uh, mentors and heroes and and just guys we admire but um so i can understand I can, I can understand how people could feel that way though just because they've listened to his records for so many years and he's just the coolest man what'd you write with him man it was a song and i I'm, i've been all over him for years to record it because it's got this really cool thing it's, it's called guitar strings and uh and maybe one of these days it'll see the light of day. I know me and old uh, Brent and Adam and Adam Hood and Ben Ratliff were sitting around a fire down there in Andalusia, Alabama, and we we had it jamming. There might be some videos of it somewhere. You'll have to get on Ben about it. But uh, oh, I, lo- I love me some Ben. <laughs> ben but, Ratliff. Uh, but yeah, man. And since then, me and Brent, we actually wrote a song on that trip to Texas that uh, he had uh, he talked about possibly recording, but. Whether he recorded them or not, man, it's really a cool, um, it's just a cool experience to get to, to make stuff up with that guy because he's, I feel like there are no rules with him. We, we just, we're out to write the best song there is, um, the best song possible. It's not, there's no fences like, okay, this has to check these boxes to go on the radio or this has to do this or it can't be over three and a half minutes long. There's none of that with him. And and I really, that's a great reset button for a guy like me who wakes up every day and chases a song. And it's very envious to guys like me um, that I'm not jealous of what you guys can do, but I wish in my heart of hearts that I could tell a story in three and a half Mm -hmm. to four minutes and get the reaction that buzzards gets when I hear it. When I was laying in bed today, I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to be better. I got to, I can't, I can't go through that. I don't want to ever witness that or experience. I don't want to see those birds circling overhead. Like that's my whole philosophy. Now that I don't ever, if the buzzards are circling overhead, I better get a little bit of time to make up something or to do something right or start living right again. Please don't tell me that the love's already (laughs) dead and that it's too late kind of deal. Like that's how I'm living. Like, man, that's so much foresight. Now let me ask you this. The same artist we're talking about, Brent Cobb told me about a song about, okay, Guy Clark and listening to Jerry Jeff Walker coming up in my twenties was the, was, was everything to me from Sangria wine to LA freeway. And then I get older in life and I'm like, Whoa, those are all Guy Clark songs. Like Guy Clark wrote all of those songs, like LA freeway and 
that I mean, don't it make you want to dance and all these songs? I'm like, yeah, man. And then I went in and then I started talking to Brent Cobb about Guy Clark. And he says, Guy Clark wrote and sang one of the best, if not the best country song. And I know everybody throws that around, but this song called Anyhow, I Love You. And oh, I don't know man. if you've heard this one. If you haven't, you need to revisit it. It's been a long time. But Wyatt, Brent Cobb turned me on to that song and he said that, like David Allen Coe says that Steve Goodman wrote. Yeah. That is the perfect country and Western song. I'm just like, wow, that song is good. I'm going to put that on my to-do list today for sure. Anyhow, I love you. So the next artist I want to ask you about before we go back into these songs I got about you is a guy from Kentucky that made Brent Cobb cry live in concert. He's made me cry on this podcast. He's just recorded his fourth or fifth podcast with me. Four over Zoom and one live. I got to sit down with this man in Nashville. Okay. Chris Knight. What does he mean to oh you? And is he, the, is he one of the greatest of all time? Well, you just sent chills down me, man. Yeah, and the song, um, that made, and the song that made Brent Cobb cry live was Rural Route, which I yeah. listen to Rural Route, and I just get the shakes. Filled a beer can full of 22 holes, man. Yes, sir. Um, man, I don't, I don't talk about this a lot. Um, because I never want to put a weird thing in the room, but, or, or just, uh, it's just heavy, but I found Chris Knight's music in one of the hardest times of my life. And I was, uh, I was 17 and I was, uh, dating this girl that was 18 and we had been seeing each other for a while. And man, one night she left my house and she had gotten a car accident and passed away. And um, it was just devastating. And, and I was the guy that uh, pulled up on the scene to see the lights after I went out and drove around and looking for and stuff. And I was the guy that knocked on her parents' door and told them. And then um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on a podcast, but um, that, that was in December. Actually, this year will be 10 years. Crazy. But um, that, that Christmas, um, I had discovered Chris Knight vaguely. And uh, I think my parents got word of it. And they bought me the trailer tapes. And, uh, man, driving around those back roads and putting on those trailer tapes, it literally changed my life. Um, those were Hey, it was it was freaking tough, man. But hearing things like "It ain't easy being me" and uh, "Here comes the rain," it's like, gosh. And there was that one song. Oh man, I, it was like in the lamplight on Locust Street. What is uh, summer of? Oh, uh, what is that? Seventy-five. Summer seventy-five. Man, those uh, Chris Knight. I mean, I, I, I'm forever grateful for him because he changed. Well, he, he, he helped me in a really dark spot and I've never met him or shook his hand. And, uh, and I probably wouldn't tell him all this because he would probably be like, who is this guy? Why are you talking to me? But, uh, he changed my whole world writing wise too, because I had all of these feelings and emotions that I didn't know how to, um, how to deal with besides turn on his music for the longest time. And I had a, I had two CDs in that in that old truck, and I had well, I actually I had three. I had the trailer tapes, and then I had Vern Gosden's greatest hits, and uh, those things got me through all of that. 
but the Chris Knight side of it helped me structure my songs to come through through those uh, through that grieving process. So just I don't know, man. It, it's uh, to look back on that. He had more of an impact than almost anybody. So for you to bring him up is kind of crazy. Yeah, and I did not know this at all. I had no idea, yeah. and I'm sorry you went through that. But I'm glad that Chris Knight was was there in in a lot of different ways. Of I didn't discover Chris Knight through tragedy and heartbreak like that, but when I did discover him, it changed my life too. To where I can't go. There's a couple artists that I can't go to bed without hearing at least one song a day, you know. Yeah. And I and I and I have to hear Chris Knight because he takes me to that place. Whether just listening to the man talk about how he wrote framed. And I'm like, what, oh, man. what are you serious? Like you, you like the, the lumber yard never happened. He goes, no, I never worked in a lumber yard. I go, well, and, and just to hear him take me through how yeah. he wrote these songs. And that's what I did is like, every time I get him on the show, I get to break down his songs. And this last album that he put on called almost daylight, um, had a song that he has Leanne on. Yeah, man. Um, and she released it on her own. It's called yeah. Send It On Down. Send It On Down, and man. The second verse of that song about him sitting in those high school football bleachers with that frost on the grass, and he can hear the good people singing. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like the good people are in the church, and this dude's drinking a fifth out on a high school bleacher that he probably graduated from 20 years before. Dude, it's... When I, when I heard that, dude, I just melt, and I'm just like, I got to hear that song every day of my life. The imagery that he uses, and, and 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 that being said, you said that I never worked at a lumber yard. He can he can put himself in these people's shoes in the same way of, as guys like uh, Tom T. Hall did. Tom T. Hall used to like travel around and meet people, and and stay with them. And and uh, he wrote a song. Oh, man, what was that uh, in the? the mills of Middletown. I'm, I'm from Ohio and there's a town called Middletown, Ohio. And he stayed with people, uh, family, friends of mine. And, uh, he, he would write the rolling mills of Middletown. It never been to a freaking mill, but he, he, he stayed with those people and just heard their stories. It's the same way he sat on that park bench in Florida and, and wrote old dogs, children, watermelon, wine. Uh, I love that. I love that about Chris Knight because he makes you believe that he literally was right there. But that also strengthens the times, the songs that he was there and he was the character in the song. I mean, we don't know if he killed a guy and threw him down the river. We don't know. We never will know. <laughs> no. Hey, you want to hear a cool story though? Yeah. I just heard this story. I wrote with Craig Wiseman for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, and he's been a bucket list right forever. Well, uh, I fangirled pretty hard and I'm like, Craig, I'm just going to get this out of the way before we, before we write, you can think I'm weird. I don't care. It ain't easy being me that you wrote with Chris Knight is probably my favorite song. What, easy, easy top five. And he's, he sat back. And said, oh, thank you. He said, you want to hear a story about that song? He said, it took me a while to talk Chris into that last verse, but I, I used to watch Ren and Stimpy all the time. That cartoon. He said there was this episode and I couldn't get it out of my head. And it was, uh, and I'm, I'm butchering this story because I don't tell it near as good as him. He said, there was this, there was this episode where 
they were in this room and there was a big red button and that was the whole episode and and he just got up to it and he couldn't he couldn't stand it he had to push the button and it blew him up that was the whole episode and he told chris on that last verse when they didn't know where to go he said i got an idea let's put him in the put him in a room with a big red button that says danger do not touch and and we'll blow him up because he has no self-control he can't help but hurt himself it's the perfect angle and Chris was like, I don't know, you know, he had all these reservations, <laughs> but how funny that songs, man, you don't know where these songs come from, but hearing uh -uh. stories like that are just incredible. How guys minds like that work. Oh, that song that you just mentioned, I have, I probably have like four of those shirts, you know, it's just got that. Oh yeah. It. Oh yeah. And a lot of people are like, well, that's something arrogant. And I'm like, no, you got, this has nothing to do with, my ego this is like the greatest song that describes most individual people that i've ever met in my life especially men that yeah. can't help themselves they'll burn that bridge and then be on the other side and they're like oh shit like there there's no way to get back yep. but the way that he the way that that he visualizes or puts you into that way and allows you to visualize that or like what you just said uh, that character that's where that's the road that you're going down and that's the road that that I hear in your music when I hear these songs that, again, I, I, I hope that the world gets to hear them. Yeah. Um, but Buzzards and this song Fly on the Wall, have you played that one in a while? Okay, that, so that uh, that is one of the songs that we are going to release. Fly on the Wall is a song that Chris Knight would have written. Buzzards <laughs> is a song that Chris that Chris Knight and and. Brent Cobb and Adam Hood would have written like that's the that's the genius of these lyrics that I and Man, I'm not trying to please don't please don't write in and say who are you to say a song is I'm just talking in my opinion and who I like that <laughs> that moves me okay when I hear the harder stuff now with Adam and Miranda singing harmonies yeah. on it it's a genius song like when he sang it live on the podcast live last a couple two weeks ago or three weeks ago in Nashville on the stage at the Nashville palace, it was just Adam hood and I under the strobe lights, the spotlights on the stage recording a podcast. And he picked that song and I got tears in my eyes, knowing what he went through, knowing that I was at third and Lindsay when he could not get words out of his mouth, when he had yeah. a chance of a lifetime, knowing what his mental state was after mm -hmm. that show, knowing what happened in the dressing room after that show, I got tears in my eyes watching this man sing a song that I had heard a couple times, but to watch him do it live. I was like, Oh my God, this is life. This is life right here. And so when I hear these songs that I get to, that I've been privy of, of Wyatt McCubbins, I want to get those tears. I want to get those goosebumps. I'm a duck hunter. I get goosebumps all the time. No pun intended. But when I get them <laughs> through song, that's when I go, Oh wow. Something's something's up. Something is up Man. about that. When I, when I heard, when I heard the Mr. Misunderstood album for the first time yeah, and I listened to record year, I fell on the floor because that's me. That song record year is about me. When I listened, when I heard traveler for the first time and I listened to parachute, that song was about me. Chris Stapleton wrote and sang that song about Chad Belding. That's all I, that's all I cared about. That is my song. I took ownership of it. Okay. When I hear buzzards, that's my song. When I hear shine on rainy day, that song was written for me. Okay. That's the way that I take ownership in music. And when it hits me like that, I'm like, God dang it, man. It's my job that people have to hear this music. So my question, Wyatt McCubbin, has always been, if I play a song and there's a hundred people in a swimming pool at a party 
and 99 of them walk hmm. up to me and go, who the hell was that? Isn't that enough consensus to say that the listening audience will love this music? I'm so blown away yeah. that these songs like Buzzards and like Shine On Rainy Day are not massive, massive hits. I can't understand the business part of this. And that's why it's so mysterious to me of like, who in the heck is like, you just brought up a button who on 16th and 17th Avenue is pushing that button and making these decisions on what we get to listen to. And I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that when I play your music and I play Brent Cobbs and Chris Knights in my backyard and 99 out of a hundred people, and the only reason the the hundredth one didn't walk up is because he's probably passed out in the horseshoe pit. (laughs) The other 99 are like, that's some of the best shit I've Uh. ever heard. So uh, you know what I'm saying? Why are these songs not out there more? And what do we have to do to get them? And I'm tired of hearing the same old answer. Well, with streaming, you know, everybody can find the music they want. There's still got to be somebody pushing it, in my opinion. Man, that's a it's that's a, a mouthful, big, and that, I apologize. A, no, 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 no. That I I'm right there with you, man. It's a big question, though. That's that's that deserves a probably more pinpointed answer, but. There is the common answer of, well, with streaming, more artists are being discovered on a daily basis. And I, me and you both get that. Um, I feel like we got to be careful saying, why isn't this a hit? Why isn't this? Why isn't this in the masses? After it, this song is written, and I play it on this guitar, and I put it on that tape, and I put it out into the world, my job is kind of done in, in, a, in a way where that song is either going to touch people or not. And, and realistically, if it touches you and no one else and gives you chills, I think that the song did a job. I don't know if it did its full job. Um, we also have to remember that these songs are going to outlive all of us. So it's going to affect us for uh, a good amount of years, hopefully, if Lord will, if Lord willing. But these will be under rocks that will need to be turned over when they're even harder to find a <laughs> hundred years from now. I don't know if anyone has enough power in the world to say, hey, Wyatt McCubbin, Buzzards, everyone in the universe is going to hear this song. The song will do the job a majority of the job um it's that's that's really a tough question and i'm kind of going around in circles and i apologize i hope i'm making (laughs) i'm hope i'm making some points but my biggest point is this is such a hail mary business and and that's the thing it's music and business well guess what they're together and and we will never truly understand there's there's a lot of people in in power seats they're there for good reasons. Um, I don't want that job. I don't, I don't want to be an A&R. I don't want to be a record label. Um, I know how to do what I do. And they know how to do what they do. I don't know if, but I don't know if anyone has that power to, or, or that knowledge to know why, what, when, where, and how that works for a song. I think that the song breathes its, breathes its own life and does what it's going to do. Well, be very careful, my friend Wyatt McCubbin, because 
the 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 road that you're going down and i'm being i'm philosophizing is that a word philosophy i I know i feel like i'm getting heady over here uh, oh but i want i want you to understand this of 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 a duck hunter on the outside looking in be very careful of your songwriting skills and if you don't have the ambition or you're not going to be the artist delivering them i hope that you don't plan on having a lot of hits because I think it happened to Chris Knight after he put that album out in 1989 called Chris Knight. Um, and it had those songs on, I believe it was 89, but there's not another person on earth that can sing. It ain't easy being me the way that it was intended to. There's not another person on earth that can sing digging holes the way it was intended to do. So I feel that intimidation factor that I brought up with Brent Cobb, that he has all these songs that could be, they might not be there. I don't care about a hit. Cause I don't understand how these songs make their way up the charts anymore. It's a same, weird same phenomenon, way. but yeah. people are intimidated to sing those songs because they can't match what he did on them. So be careful on your work tapes, be careful on the stuff that you deliver to publishing. I'm, I'm saying, be careful. Not that I think I know the business. I'm saying that the way you sing these songs is the only way that buzzards is going to be out there in the masses, the way that it was intended to be. And that is the stereotypic that is the stereotype that took on or the uh, I'm talking a lot so I'm losing my vocabulary but Chris Knight put himself in a corner because nobody can sing those songs that he wrote except yeah. him now you can have somebody go well I'm going to I'm going to write the the highway junkie you know I'm going to sing the highway junkie song and I think it was on a soundtrack called Black Dog I think Randy Travis might have did it. and Randy Travis is genius and he did a good job with it but for the most part if you listen to William Callahan or you listen to Down the River or you listen to yeah. Rural Route or you listen to It Ain't Easy Being Me, I'd be hard pressed to find anybody that could get me to move the way Chris Knight did. And it's not that they couldn't have gotten me to move if I never heard Chris sing them first, though. That's yeah. the problem is that Chris was the was the guy that tore my heart out of my body and just walked all over it. And I'm just like, what did, what did I just experience listening to that album? And no, nobody could ever sing those songs again and, and have that effect on me. So that's the road you're going down is to where when I hear buzzards, I'm just like, that dude just wrecked me, but it's not going <laughs> to hold water. It's yeah. not going to hold water now when I hear Blake Shelton put it out on an album in three years from now. That's yeah. the, that's, I want you to have no, that no. on a record and have you being pushed up the charts or have Buzz Brainerd saying, here's our boy Wyatt McCubb and this is a hit. This is called, it might never make it to number one, but at least the people that are on the highway and that are in this mainstream of country music, not that you ever intended to be quote unquote mainstream, but yep. gosh dang it, Wyatt McCubbin, that song is genius. Just like It Ain't Easy Being Me was genius. And a lot of people my age still have not discovered Chris Knight. And I'm 20 years older than you. I don't give a shit. I can't help the time that my mom and dad conceived me, Wyatt no. McCubbin. I'm 20 years older than you. And I... I'm sitting here looking at guys my age going, you don't know who Guy Clark is? You don't, you've never heard Chris Knight? You haven't discussed, like, what are you Mm -hmm. thinking? So just be very careful, my friend, that somebody else is not going to be able to deliver that feeling the way you intended it when you put pencil to paper, if that makes sense. Well, just to be clear, too, I said earlier I'm a writer first because that's where it all begins. But, man, my goal is to be the guy delivering these songs and making records i mean in a perfect world man i'm making records the rest of my life and i want to be that because i enjoy it so much i enjoy the every step along the way there's a beautiful team in place right now that is helping me 
get the other logistics figured out, you know, and I'm so thankful, so thankful to finally be in a spot where it's, uh, it's less overwhelming because there's so many people alongside of me that, that get me, um, within my team, management, publishing, label, and, uh, man, it's, it's an exciting time to be doing what I'm doing and some of this new stuff that, and I'm planning on cutting, which of course I released five last year. That was, uh, besides regional records back in Ohio and the Midwest, that was, uh, the first releases for me technically. And, uh, I, well, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Man, I'm really, I can't, and wait. I know everybody says I'm excited about what I'm working on, but damn. I mean, I'm fired up. There's going to be some things that uh, are cut straight to tape, live acoustic, that don't. I mean, there's no hiding behind that microphone. So just some really cool stuff that is going to push me and, and have, a, have a cool challenge behind it as well. Because that's a whole other side. I really treat a lot of this stuff. It is a, there's a chasing element of it. There's a, there's a sport to it. No different than being in the duck blind, man. I like, like, I like the idea. Many, how many ducks am I going to knock down today, man? Well, we got to go duck hunting together one day and find out. <laughs> I bet you might beat me. No, it'll be fun, though. <laughs> but um, there's a song that Chris Ledoux sang called The Last Drive-In. There's a song that Chris Knight wrote and sang called Dirt. That's an amazing oh, yeah. song. Yeah, man. Like the view that he had of civilization and manufacturing and and industrialism and just watching like his grandpa and his the dirt that his grandpa had but you have a song called tearing down memories that brings me back to this 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 idea that something should not be tore down and that we don't want to see him go down like when chris ledoux sang the last drive-in like i used to go watch et right there and now it's a freaking mall like what happened to my drive-in that they would have the they would have the uh the the big sale like a garage sale what's that called when everybody gets together and does it you know they oh, would yeah. do that they would do that in the drive-in where you would walk through there I, I can't think of the name god i'm bad with vocabulary see this is why i can't be a songwriter i don't know where to put my words but um <laughs> that's that song is about that tearing down memories that you yeah. wrote and put out um is a that brings me back to that there's a song called that i just mentioned called fly on the wall that we all have that concept like man i wish i could be a fly on the wall when yeah. that was going down, so I could have witnessed some of it and got the dirt on it. But when you start picking these songs for an album, yeah, it's going, it's got to be a difficult process. Take me through that real quick. And I want to say thank you to you real quick, Wyatt McCubbin, first for coming on the show. Um, I'm a big fan. I've oh, been, man. Dude, I, thanks um, for having me. Yeah. And I, we're going to do it again. And you did me a big favor a couple weeks ago. You were with Corey Smith in Georgia, and yeah. my girlfriend's daughter watched your set. And, right. she, and she's like, Chad, I've heard you talk about this guy. And, I, and so I activated our buddy, Ben, and I said, Ben, is there any <laughs> chance she can meet Wyatt? And you let her come up. I think you were up on a loft watching uh, Corey, and yeah. you met her and got a picture, and it made her night. So thank you very much for oh, doing man. that. That's, that's great, man. It was great for her. Um, but take me through this process now over <laughs> the next couple weeks or months of your life as you yeah. get ready for an album. Is it a hard process because you're so attached to some of them? Do you have help when it comes to this? And tell me, because a lot of people don't know what an album is. They just stream a song. I remember. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. I remember getting Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Okay, I'm a huge Axel fan, right? Yeah, buddy. 
and I would read every lyric. I'd read every side note. I'd go through the entire yep. vinyl and just, or the cassette tape. I'm just like, oh my gosh, Bill Bailey. Who's Bill Bailey? Who's Saul yep. Hudson? Oh, that Slash is really, oh, wait a minute. This is what they were doing when they, when they come up with November Rain. And I get, oh, Stephanie Seymour's in the video. I dissected this stuff, right? Yeah. We're missing that part of music. We're missing the intimacy of going in to a little record store called Marabelli's in Park Lane Mall and digging through all these punk albums to find the dead Kennedys because I thought I was a skateboarder at one time and I <laughs> wanted to listen to the song I just saw on a skateboarding Bones Brigade uh, Pal and Peralta video with Tony Hawk and Mike McGill. I'm like, <laughs> so that was the intimacy I had with music, right? I yeah. wanted to discover it. I wanted to discover it on my own, but I wanted the process. What is the yeah. process? Of, of taking me through this mm. album and, and, and weaving me in and out of these awesome genius songs. Man, I wish that I wish that the record buying listening process was still as tangible and as much of an investment as it was, because I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, I was a little later to the game when it was CDs, but I also remember going through my dad's cassette tapes and vinyls and, and uh, man. So the selecting process is probably the hardest part because me and a lot of my buddies are writing probably anywhere from 125 to 175 songs a year. And which is, doesn't seem like a lot until you are in a deal for four years, five years, six years, and you've got a catalog of 600, 800 songs sitting there looking at you thinking, pick me, pick me. I think a, the biggest part of picking these songs has been, for, for me lately, is going to places like the Georgia Theater. And literally, it's, an, it's almost an experiment to test these songs out. And I think that's where social media has such power now, too, because you can test songs. You can put a verse in a course that you might not have even written the second verse for on on TikTok or Instagram and say, hey, do you guys like this? Should I record this? Is this worth this? Um I think that's that's a big tool in the toolbox. But then again, there's also the side of it that I love that's a surprise to the listener. Like I want I I, I kind of like I like buying a record or to putting on Chris Knight and being completely surprised, never heard the first verse or never heard, never got teased the chorus until I literally heard it for the first time and it sent chills down me. So I'm kind of trying to find the middle ground between the two strategies of like just dropping this stuff um, once I pick it or, or teasing it out there. I might do a little bit of both, but there are some songs that uh, like Fly on the Wall which it's funny, man, you're, you're, you're calling me out and putting a spotlight on a lot of these things that, that, uh, that I've written by myself, which is good and bad for me because then everybody's going to be like, Oh man. Okay. That's why that song, that's why that song's this, that way. <laughs> Cause he wrote it by himself. But, uh, there's a lot of my heart in those. Um, I mean, not more or less than another co-write, but they're a little bit more precious. So there's, there's, there's um, Fly on the Wall and then another one that I'm going to cut straight to tape called All We Were Was Country, which is probably the, it, I, I, I had put that on YouTube a couple of years back when I didn't really know what to do with it. Uh, I was in a different spot in the business and didn't know where I was really 
headed, what I wanted to do. Um, but I'm really glad that that one's going to, to, to get to live a life. Um, but then getting to see some of these up-tempo things in a live setting to where people are raising up drinks, that's another tester for me because we can sit around and play these ballads all day long, which gosh, that's 90% of what I want to hear as a consumer. But I also realized that, man, these concerts and these shows are an escape for people. They're finding a babysitter. They're taking 20 minutes to park in a crowd full of people, probably paying to park, paying for the tickets. They, they want to have a good time just as much as they want to get a chill sent down them through the set as well. So um, that, that set in that live show is made up of so many different feelings. And that's what makes it so overwhelming. It's like, okay, I need like, I think I need three up tempo. I need two mid tempos and, 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 a, and a, just a bowed rip your heart out thing. Man, it, it's, it's, it's in the air. Like, I, I really just want the songs to speak to me. And I, I've listened through this catalog, and I will listen to this catalog over the next month, couple weeks, whatever it is, and just double down and, and find what hits me and what has worked out live and see, what, see where the heck we wind up, man. I feel great about it because there's some country stuff that literally could have been on a Joe Diffie record. I mean, slamming just in-your-face stuff. And then there's things like fly on the wall that puts you in a bar overlooking all of the characters in that bar. And great, I, great I love all the above, man. I, I, uh, I'm talking too much, but I, I really am excited about this stuff because I finally, I, I had waited so long and I'd written, I'd written catalogs of songs before I put any out technically. And I feel like there were so many diehard fans on uh, on social media that stuck by my side. And I'm thankful for that because they're like, golly, how long do we have to wait for this stuff? And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. I'm trying over here, but there's been a lot of stuff figured out on the business front over the last couple of years. And man, it's, it's game on. It's, it's time to roll. It's freaking game on, man. So, and that, that I'm like literally standing in the tunnel ready to run on the field. That's how fired up I am. So these songs, man, I cannot wait. I'm telling you. And, and, I, and I'm going to capture a lot of the behind-the-scenes process because I used to love reading through those CD pamphlets and seeing pictures. And, and you can feel the energy in a picture when you take a picture in that studio. Yep. And uh, I really want people to be along for that, that ride. Well, I can't wait to take it with you, man. I'm yeah, fired man. up for it. I'm excited. I I like what you said about hearing it for the first time and, 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 and being surprised yep. when you get that album. So let's just do this. You pick if there's one that you don't mind letting out, cause this is obviously going to air before the album is out. You take us out with a Wyatt McCubbin song that that's going to hit us. It could be fly on the wall, but I like this country song. I like Taryn. I liked all of your stuff. First of all, man, but... your, your show pick man. No, 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 no. Well, you if, is it fly on the wall? I mean, you've mentioned well, that. You kind of got me interested about this country. What's the song called okay. that, that, that you put oh, to YouTube? Called, uh, it's called All We Were Was Country. And now, is this a banger that could have made a Joe Diffie uh, Shoney's parking lot song? Man, it ain't. This is, this is literally, if I had to play somebody a song to tell somebody where I was from, this would be that song. Oh, to I where, love and I think that it's not just where I'm from. I think that it's one of those... Uh, 
very specific lyrics that um, it's so specific that it applies to everybody. And, and I don't know how, why or how that works, but it continues to work. Same way with tearing down memories. Like, Ooh. I mean, hey, not everybody has a Starbucks where the Texaco was, but everybody knows what that is to them in their own specific situation. So, um, man, I, I'll, I'll play All We Were Was Country if, if you want to hear that. Um, I love that idea. And as we go out of this episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody, please remember where we got that term. Midtown, Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA, behind the stage where the band plays and stands in at a bar called Losers in Midtown. There's a graphic up on the wall that I saw in 2008. And it said, this life ain't for everybody. And I took a picture of that Wyatt McCubbin and I said, I'm going to trademark that. I really like that. So I did. And here we are all these years later, 10 years later, probably 2019 is when we started. And now we got a TV show coming out called This Life Ain't For Everybody. Oh, it, it, means some, it means something different to everybody. And I know that that meant this honky tonk life and working your way up on Broadway and lower Broadway and, and, the, and the, the musical dream that so many people moved to Nashville to try to conceive and to try to live out. Some people like Pat Green had the dream and they moved to Nashville and cut his song and almost lost the dream because the Texas audience gave up on him. So Nashville can work both ways for you if you're not careful. There's a lot of a lot of if, ands, or buts in this town. <laughs> and that's what this life ain't for everybody was about. But as we go out with the song Why It's Gonna Pick, keep an eye on this cat. Follow him on social media. Get his music and his lyrics and his songs, especially his lyrics and the way he delivers them in your ears. And if you want to have a great day today, do what Wyatt McCubbin just said. Um, he didn't tell you to do this, but I'm telling you to do this. <laughs> Rest in peace, Joe Diffie. Go get Joe Diffie's greatest hits and listen to every song, word for yeah, word. Buddy. Every song this man did because he was straight up country music. This is Wyatt McCubbin. We're going out. Thank you all for listening to This Life Ain't For Everybody. Brought to you again by our friends at Deemer Box and brought to you by our friends. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. The original, the iconic Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Jack Daniels. Every single drop of Jack Daniels. And the new Bonded, the new Triple Mash, the new Rise that Lexi and Josh Phillips, husband and wife, just put out together. Unbelievable. Enjoy it responsibly. I understand that there's been so many country songs written about Jack Daniels. I know what Jack Daniels can do to you. So everything in moderation. But thank you, Jack Daniels, for being the presenting sponsor of another artist spotlight along with Deemer Box. Get Deemer Box to have all of your mu music experiences. Wyatt McCubbin, any closing words before you take us out? Man, uh, thanks for having me, Chad. It really, th and thanks for doing what you, you're doing for artists like me. It's, man, it's, it's so, it's already hard enough like we were talking about to get this music heard. And so for you to be a champion of this, just, it really does mean more than you'll know. So thanks for, Thanks for fighting a good fight. You're welcome, brother. I'm proud to do it, and I'm a big fan. This is Wyatt McCubb, and thank you all for being here. See you guys next episode. Never heard of a creek. We called it a creek. Folks in town, they called us hicks. What's a violin? I thought it was a fiddle. Yeah, that's what you get growing up in the middle of somewhere in the AM static. 
Papon taught me every song he could with three chords and the truth, just like Hank. We weren't rich, but we weren't poor. We weren't real hardwood, but we weren't old dirt floors. We weren't redneck, we weren't hillbilly. If you ain't got a blister And there's a mighty big difference Between supper and dinner We weren't rich But we weren't poor We weren't real hardwood But we weren't old dirt floors We weren't redneck We weren't hillbilly Still hear Papa strumming those three chords. How to time, how to tune. It sounds just like home. Cause we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. We weren't real hardwood, but we weren't old dirt floors. We weren't redneck, we weren't ill Billy. Thank you.